we want to continue looking at how James is speaking to us. The Holy Spirit, through the brother of Jesus Christ, James, is dealing with our maturity in Christ. We've been looking for the last few weeks, and I must say, although I'm preaching the Word, I found a lot out of that. A lot of practical things that I applied to my life. And I found myself even this week that I came to certain uh, uh, situations and just, just knowing what I've heard, myself preaching last week, the Holy Spirit just convicted me in a few areas. And I, I had to say, Lord, I have to listen. And this is how we need to see the Word of God. This is what James does. I said it in week one. James is in our face. He's right there. He's telling us and he's making us think about these things and we need to adapt by that. We're going to become doers of the Word and not just listeners of the Word. He's teaching us about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. We're coming to part 5 today, and we're going to look at James chapter 3. And as you know, we complete the sentence every week. A mature Christian, this week we need to say, needs to control his tongue. I don't hear a lot of hallelujahs and amens around that. <laughs> a mature Christian needs to control his tongue. And he's quite clear about this in this passage. The tongue is important, is a very important part of our bodies. If you take somebody's tongue out today, you will have a lot of difficulties to communicate. To be able to bring his thoughts, put them into words, and to express them. Without my tongue today, I wouldn't be able to preach here. I had to do sign language, and I can't do that. Or I had to write down, and how long would that be? No, we are so blessed with these tongues that God gave us. The power of speech is one of the greatest powers that God has given to each one of us. And we should be grateful and thankful for that. You know what amazes me is that if you listen to people coming from different parts of the world, they've got different accents. But we can understand them. Some of them you need to ask them to talk slower. Have you, have you been there? Some you have to ask them to repeat things, but at least they can put words, thoughts into words and express themselves. And it's amazing to me that we've got a language, you know, like English. Everybody understands it in this place. But you've got different accents because the muscles in the tongue is formed differently to perform different sounds differently. It is just amazing what God has given us. This little tongue is so important part of our bodies. It gives us the power to express. Now it's interesting that research found that women speak an average of 20,000 words a day. 20,000 words. That's a lot of words. Wouldn't you say, Tinsy? It's a lot of words. And men only speak 7,000 words a day. So it says that woman nearly speaks three times more than a man. But that's okay. That's how God made us, isn't it? <laughs> because you see, men are highlights. You know, the, the highlights of the word. You know, the headliners. That's the word. We come home from a day and I walk in and uh, Toki asks me, how was your day? And I say, it was a good day. That's not what she wants to hear. I use my 7,000 words sparingly, you know. I just want to say it's a good day. But 
Then I see a frown and I go, what's happened here? And she goes, how was your day? And I go, now what's wrong here? No, no. You see, we are headliners, but women are fine print. Have you seen the fine print on a contract? Fine print makes up the whole page. But here comes the trouble. If you do not read the fine print, you might miss the most important part thing of the contract. And this is why it's important for us to have women in your life who can speak 20,000 words a day. Yes, and it makes us good listeners. Now all, all the wives in a good place go, yeah, my husband's a very good listener. <laughs> So it's so wonderful to know that it is, it is used to communicate our thoughts. But did you know that it's also the biggest cause of problems in our lives? This little tongue of ours could be the most thing that brings the most difficult things in your lives. There was this uh, boy who loses his temper every single time. And then when he loses his temper, he just mouths off. And his dad called him over one day. He says, look. I want to teach you a lesson. For every single time that you lose your temper and your mouth off and you just say words, I want you to take a nail and you see down there at the edge, the, the, the fence at the backyard, I want you to go and nail one of these nails into that fence. So the first day, this little boy nailed 37 nails into that fence. Every single time he loses his temper and he just say words and he mouth off. And after a while, he came to his dad and he says, Dad, today I didn't nail one into the fence. So it became better to him. So his dad walked out with him and he looked at the fence and he saw all these nails in the fence. First day 37 and then the next day it became lesser, lesser, lesser until there's just, just one and then there was none. He said, okay, son. He said, from now on, when you lose your temper, I want you to come and pull one of those nails out. So it was a long time that he came to his dad eventually. He says, Dad, I've done it. He says, I've pulled the last nail out this morning. His dad walked out with him to the fence. He stood in front of the fence and he says, Son, come and stand next to me. He says, What do you see? The boy looked at the fence and he says, Dad, I see a fence full of holes. Full of holes. He said, So the lesson here is, my son, be careful what you say. Because you might nail it into the fence and you might pull it out, but it leaves a hole. And that hole looks nasty. And it is so true, you know, a little story, but this is what James talks to us about. This tongue, this wonderful power that God gave us, this blessing that God gave us, that we can communicate with one another, can also become something that causes trouble, that leaves holes which looks ugly on a fence. And this is what this is all about. James chapter 1 verse 19, he already started talking to us about this. He said, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James says there that we've got two ears and one mouth. Some people do have two mouths. They speak out of two mouths. Do you know those people? They say something now and then they say something which contradict what they said just there. That to me is two mouths out of one mouth. The two contradictions come. 
I think if somebody walks through these doors and they physically got two mouths, we will run. We will say, oh, that is odd. No, it's not befitting that. We've got two ears to listen twice before we speak once. This is what James says. He's already laid this down earlier in the book of James. In Proverbs chapter 29 verse 20, he says, Do you see a man hasty in words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I know people who are hasty in words. They just mouth off. It's like this little boy. Just mouth it off. And here he says, he's actually comparing a man with hasty words. There's more hope for a fool than for that man who's just bubbling off words. And then also, then also there is uh, James chapter 1, verse 26. He says, if anyone among you thinks that he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceive his own heart, this one religion is useless. If you don't bridle your tongue, discipline your tongue. Psalm 39 verse 1, he says, I said, this is David, he said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. You see how the tongue can be a blessing, but it also can bring you in trouble. And listen, he goes one step further. He says that your tongue can make you sin. Your tongue can make you sin. That little thing in your body. He says, lest I sin with my tongue, I will restrain my mouth with a muscle while the wicked are before me. While the wicked are before me. How many times do we see the wicked and we just muzzle it off? We just say it out loud instead of praying for them. Here he says, I will muzzle my tongue. How is he going to do that? Maybe, maybe like this man did it. Maybe just close your mouth and say nothing instead of saying something and it's the wrong thing. He says, I'm going to muzzle my tongue. I'm going to ask God to help me to discipline my tongue not to say things I don't ought to say. And this is what James is telling us in this chapter. James is giving us six pictures of the tongue in our passage. He compares it to a bit, a rudder, a fire, a poisonous animal, a fountain, and a fig tree. There's a lot of things that he compares this little tongue of ours to. And he actually puts it into three groups that reveal the powers of the tongue. Let's have a look at them. The first one is a power to direct. James chapter one verse, uh, 3, verse 1, he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we shall all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. A perfect man. Able also to brittle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that, we may, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they were so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desire. So the first classification here for your tongue, for my tongue, for the tongue that James saw, is a tongue is power to direct, to direct people. He came into this church and he saw in the church that there's a lot of people who wanted to become teachers. Everybody wanted to get behind the pulpit. 
I've heard somebody said one day, they said if somebody gets saved on the Saturday night, we need to get him on the pulpit on the Sunday. He needs to tell us this fresh bread of what God did to him. I disagree with that. I absolutely disagree. Because this person's old, his whole reference that he had is his sinful life. What is he going to come and talk and direct the church that Sunday morning? He's going to tell them about his sinful life. No, no, we need to hear about Christ. In this church he came in and there were so many who wanted to become teachers. You see the word become there is that it has already happened that people wanted to become. Everybody wanted to come up and, and teach the people. And we find the same today. Everybody's got something to say. And they want to throw a few scripture verses into that. And he, he says, let not many become teachers. He starts it with a negative because these teachers will direct people where to go with their preaching. I always say to people, it's so easy for, we look at somebody who sells you a policy, a life insurance policy, and we don't trust those people. Why? Because it's a promise that they make us that when we pass away, they'll look after the family with money. And then we ask them a million questions before we put your hand on paper. Yet I find it so fascinating, fascinating, that people will walk into churches and listen to nonsense and just gave their souls over to people who direct them. Just like that. He says, so many want to become teachers, let not many do. Knowing this, that we shall receive a stricter judgment. I am, I know, for all of the years that I'm preaching to you, to preaching to people. I've preached to so many people who came and go. I know one thing for sure. One day I will stand before God and give account for every single word that I preach from this pulpit. I know that. And so should every person know. So here is the thing. If I come with an agenda in my heart to preach here, you might not see it, but God sees it. And this is the fact that God will judge the shepherds. Let me read this to you out of the book of Ezekiel. I uh, was standing here this morning and contemplating about this passage, and then I thought about this which I've read. He says in Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 10, and, and look, I'm just parachuting in here, and from verse 1 he actually speaks more about this, about the shepherds who feed themselves and make themselves rich. Listen to this, there's a giveaway here for you. The shepherds who make themselves rich. There is coming a judgment on you. Shall I come more home? These televangelists who say, send in your money. If you send us a thousand dollars today, God will bless you next week with ten thousand dollars. Not even the bank can give you that returns, can it? But God will just send me your thousand dollars. You know what he's doing? He's grabbing your thousand dollars. And he's making you empty promises, empty vessels. Clouds without rain. But I've got a word for those people. God will judge you. He will judge these people who do that. It's not me saying it, it's the word of God. He says it in Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 10. Thus says the Lord God. Behold, I'm against the shepherds and will require my flock at their hand. You hear that? I know. 
standing here today, that one day when I pass on from this life and stand before the Lord, that He will require the flocks at my hand. What have you preached to those people? This is why, trembling and fearing, I preach the Word of God. And you know where I stay safe, dear friend? Is that when I preach the Word of God. That's where I stay safe. I want to open up the Word of God and preach the Word of God. And he says it here. He says, I will require my flock at their hands. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths, from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. God is serious about this. James says here, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. And if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to brittle his whole body. We need to discipline our tongues. Now he uses two forms of direction. The first one that he uses is a horse. He says that we need to put these bits in horses' mouths and we then direct the horse. And likewise, there was not these big oil tankers back in his day. There was these big ships which were driven by wind, sail ships. And the wind will come up and blow those ships in a direction. But we don't want to go where the wind blows us. So that little rudder directs it. And it's so interesting, friends, that both of these two things needed to overcome strong forces to take them in a direction they wanted to go. Both of them. If you think about the horse, you put the bit, and I was sitting on a horse one day, and I was riding this horse, and he's got so much power in that body of his. First of all, he had to carry my weight, Andre. <laughs> and I'm not light. So I sat on the horse. It feels to me that when I sat on the horse, when, when I got on and I sat on it, it felt to me as if there was this out of his mouth going aside. He goes, oh. <laughs> it's just how it felt to me, by the way. But, but here is this powerful thing under me. I can feel the strength in his horse. And, and honestly, if he takes off, what is my power against that? He weighs more than me. And then he started walking and started trotting on. And I wanted to go left, but the horse wanted to go straight. So what did I do? I just pull. It pulls the head in, and by that pulling of a small thing in his mouth, it pulls him into the direction that I want him to go. What did I have to do? That little small bit had to overcome that strong force of that horse and to pull him into a direction. That little bit disciplined the horse to go into the direction I wanted him to go. Similarly, is the rudder of a ship. If you think of a ship, the wind blows so hard against that ship. And there's currents under the water that pulls that ship into a direction. But, but this little rudder had to overcome all of those forces to push that into the right direction. I think it's brilliant how James uses this as an example. An example of direction. The power to direct. It is the same with the tongue. You see, we with our tongue have to overcome the old nature. Now, let's think if you were somebody who gossiped, nobody in this church, but let's think that you were used to be somebody who gossiped. Gossip is the old nature. The Bible is against it. The Bible calls it a sin. Did you know that? And it happens with what? 
with this little tongue. I haven't seen two people gossip and just come and sit for an hour and look at each other. If you can't bring those thoughts over with your mouth and your tongue, it's nothing. It's just a staring competition, isn't it? And here, it's the old nature. So the old nature tells you, do it, say it, that little boy. Lose your temper and just say it. That's the old nature. But here, you need to overcome that strong force of the old nature and direct your body with your tongue not to do it. You see how it's in the direction. And then also the circumstances around us. Watch out in what groups you are and when you talk. I always say it to people. I always say it to my children as well. If there are people who are negative and talking against something, if you just stand there, you don't have to say a word, you are classified with them. Are you with me now? You are classified with them. The next day, when there's a report about the people who are standing there moaning and complaining and groaning and rebelling, what do they say? Who was standing in that little group? Oh, were there five? And there you were. You didn't say a word, but you were there. Walk away. Walk away. You see, the first thing he addresses, he says that the tongue has power to direct. But secondly, you see, we need to have a strong hand to control this little thing. Think about that. The, sitting on a horse, you had to have a strong hand to pull him into the direction. You had to have a strong hand on the rudder to push it in a direction. And similarly to you and my friend, we need to discipline our tongue. And we need to ask God to help us do that. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, he says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And man, this verse has been so misquoted by the Word of Faith movement. Word of Faith is just, they just trying to demolish the meaning of this. It doesn't mean that I can call things now up which doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that I can speak positively now. No. No, this is true, friends, that your tongue directs people. And if you raise up and you raise your children up and you constantly tell them down and talk them down, that's a word of death. You, you, you're marching them in the wrong direction. We see the world full of this. Full of this. Yes, you can kill people by your tongue. But you can also always lift them up as well. Psalm 141 verse 3, yeah, this is uh, uh, David, he says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I love it. Put a, 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 a door over my lips. This is a door. If you open the door, the tongue will speak. Not only does he say, keep a door over here, he says, put a guard there. Now, if I think about a guard, I think about a, a Roman soldier in this day who stands there, and every time you open up your tongue, you go, I'm going to cut it out. He says, put a guard there and put a door there. You have to open the door. It's just not just flowing out. So, there's power to direct, James says. Uh, and this is so important for us to understand that we need to direct people in the right way with our tongues. Secondly, it's the power to destroy. 
There's a power to destroy. James chapter 3 verse 5, he says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Oh yes. It's a little thing in your body, but it boasts so great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire, he says. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set amongst our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Wow. This is strong words. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. He compares the tongue now to two things. He compares it to a fire and to a wild animal. But I love it when he says that this little member, the smallest one comes and he boasts of great things. Somebody once said, the older I get, the better I was. Think about that. The older I get, the better I was. We always talk ourselves up, isn't it? Oh, a year I was coming, running. It was only a hedge that high. But later on, the older I get, when I tell people, I come, man, here I was coming and I ran, and I tell you, that thing was higher than my head, and I just cleared it one jump. The older I get. This little tongue boosts so much, boasts so much. Oh, I'm so good, I'm so great. It doesn't belong with a child of God. I know of a man, every time you tell him, you, you can say anything. You can, you, and yesterday I was gardening. And, and for six hours we were gardening. I've got the photos to show you. Listen to me here going on about it. And I can go tomorrow and show the photos, and this guy will come in. Well, I work for seven hours. Oh, you know, how can I be that? <laughs> you know, I was coming to six hours and I was cramping so up, I couldn't, you know, get my arms straight, all of this stuff. He goes for seven hours. Or you can say, when I shot, you know, basket hoops in my day, the record that I stat was 15. Oh, I do 16. I, I did 16. You see, this little tongue, and this is the danger thereof. We're always with our tongue better than the person next to us. And, and now he says, see how a great forest, a little fire kindles. We know fires in this state, do we? There's been so many fires that came through Victoria. But there's three things that a fire needs. It needs heat. That's your ignition. It needs fuel, that is the trees and the grass and all of those things, and it needs oxygen. Those three things. That's what it needs. And let me tell you, in churches, in workplaces, everywhere, there is always fuel and there's always oxygen. All it needs is an ignition. All it needs is a heat. All it needs is that one person who comes in and it ignites the whole thing and it's like a fire that you can't stop. Have you heard the firefighters when they say the wind is blowing and, and it's really hot and everything? Have, have you heard them saying how difficult it is to stop a fire? A fire burns everything. We know about these fire bugs. I think it was here in Australia once where there was a massive fire and they said, how did this thing start? 
And they found out, somehow they found out there was one person standing and it only took one little, little fire he threw into a grassland. And it started the grassland and then it went into bigger fuel and then it went bigger, bigger and it was a massive burn and people died. He compares the tongue to something that destroys you. He says your tongue will be like a fire destroying people. If you cannot, if you can't do the first thing right, to have the power over your tongue to direct your tongue, this is what's going to happen. It's going to destroy. Watch out for that. A mature child of God, do not say things to destroy others. Be careful how you use it. He says a world of iniquity. That it is so set amongst the members that it defiles the whole body. The whole body. And, and you know, the thing is, he's straightforward. He says it's set on fire by hell. Destruction comes from hell. That's where it comes from. And watch out for that. Secondly, he compares this to an animal. You see that? To every kind of beast. And birth and reptile of sea is tamed, has been tamed. And then he says, but the, ta- the tongue can't be uh, tamed. It's unruly, full of a deadly poison. Deadly poison. And, and if you think about an animal or snake, there's some tiger snakes here in Victoria. I don't want to come across one. You don't have to show me one. You know, when we walk through the reptile enclosure, when we go to the, these theme, theme places, everybody's up against the glass and go, oh, you know, they, they push their noses against it. I stand a fire, man. I don't like this stuff. It's just me. But these things is he's comparing the tongue with. Did you think that your tongue is compared to a deadly tiger snake? You can spread poison with it and it will kill the whole body. A mature Christian controls his tongue because he knows used in the wrong way it will set a fire alight or it will poison somebody. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 20 he says, where there is no wood. You see, there is the three things that, that builds a fire. And I love it. The Word of God is so clever. He says, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Don't keep on adding things to the argument. Don't add on. Get these things away from the fire so that it can't, that it can't burn. And this is so true. And where there is no tail-bearer, you know what a tailbearer is? It's a gossiper. A tailbearer. I'm going to tell a tale on you. Where there's no tailbearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is the contentious man to kindle strife. I'll tell you one thing a tongue can bring a nation down, a tongue starts a revolution against the nation. This little thing from one man from one man that's how dangerous this is it's not only like a fire but it's like a poisonous animal then lastly he says to us it has got the power to delight three things first of all it can direct it can destroy but it's also got the power to delight look at James chapter 3 verse 9 he says with it we bless our God and Father with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives 
or a grape bear figs. Thus, no spring yields for uh, 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 both salt water and fresh water. He says, this little tongue, you know, it is there for delight. Have you ever walked on a, on a really hot day and you come across water, crisp, clear water, and you feel you can just put your hand in there and drink it? That is what fresh water is. But when you put it in, it comes out salt. We expect salt to be at the sea, not in our springs and our brooks. And this is what he compares it to now, to a fountain. A fountain, something to bless. But here he comes and he says, out of that blessing comes also a cursing. And I've seen it so and I've heard this so many times. You hear somebody in church, they sing like an angel. And you go, wow, that is a fantastic man. They are so close to God. But as soon as they go to the workplace the next day, there is so much cursing coming out from that same tongue. The same tongue that says, praise God, hallelujah, the next day can bring out these obscenities and these profound, and all of these bad words out of his mouth. It not ought to be like that, James says. Watch your tongue. And you know why? When we speak, what happens? What happens when I'm speaking now? There is always somebody listening. I've got a lot of ears listening here this morning. It's only one way of speaking. There's always somebody listening. I always warn people, parents, I say, parents, if you want to talk, you, you shouldn't talk, gossip about other people, especially in church. You shouldn't gossip about them. If there's something wrong about it, go and see them, sort it out. That's what the Bible teaches. But here is the problem. Mom and dad gets together and they mouth off about somebody else and who hears it? Little Johnny. Little Sarah hears it. Now your brain is developed that next time when you walk up to person A, who you've spoken so badly about with your husband, your brain and what we've built over the years is you can't put on a mask. You can you walk up to them and you go, Hi, how are you doing? You're a great fellow, man. Yes. You put up this great smile and face and everything. Although just yesterday you cursed them. You can't do that. People do that. But little Johnny, and, and you, their brain hasn't developed in that. Last time when they met you and mom and dad loved you, they came up to you and they, ee, ee, they wanted to hug you. But now, because they've heard that they can't work that through, I always look at children. I always do. Because they are so honest. Now they walk up to you in church and you go, Hi, how are you, Johnny? And he goes, They can't work it. When you speak, somebody always listens. Always listens. Not only do people listen, my friends, the angels listen to you. Did you know that? Not only does the angels listen to you, but God listens to you. Did you know that? And God writes down every single word that you say. Whew! James is tough, isn't he? I said it's going to be in your face. And I said at the start, when I started preaching this, I said, don't be mad at the messenger. Because, friends, as I preach this, I stand as well under this word. Always interesting. Out of this mouth comes to praise and bless God, he says, but it also comes to curse men. What should we do instead of cursing men? We should pray for them. Pray for them. So he compares it to a fountain. 
And then he goes on and he compares it to a fig tree, my brethren, a tree. He says, who bears olives, uh, uh, can a fig tree bear olives or grape, uh, a grapevine bear figs? It doesn't work in nature like that. So if it doesn't work in nature, why do people try to do that? It is so, I've listened sometimes to people and they talk things, they think they know about things they talk about, but they don't. You know what I'm talking about? I sit sometimes in a group and we talk and discuss a certain topic, you know, at work and, and there's just, well, there's one person who wants to open his mouth and just rattle off and, and I go, what are you talking about? You know, we are here for figs and you're talking about olives. It's like, I absolutely love oranges, okay? So if I'm on the mood for an orange on a day, and I've got an orange tree in my backyard, and I've cultivated it so much, and I worked so hard on it, and now this is a warm day, and I go, man, this is the day. I want to just go in there, stretch in my hand, and, and feel when I feel it, because I know what I've planted, yes? And when I feel this fruit in my hand, I want to pull it out, rip it open, and put it in my mouth. And, and let's say I do that. I put it in, I pull it out, and I can't rip it open because it's an apple. Apple on my orange tree. How disappointed am I going to be? I was there for an orange. Or, or I push in there and I feel this thing and I pull it out and it's a banana. Or a prickly pear. What about a prickly pear? Not only is it not what you want, it's giving you all of these little thorns in your hands. Have you, have you touched a prickly pear with your hands? Hey man, you can't just pull him out. You've got to sit there with a tweezer and it's, and it's sore. It's so sore. Friends, this is a blessing. Fruit is a blessing from God. Why don't you become a blessing for people? You see, he says it back in the day, John the Baptist, he says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. We need to bear fruit. People come to you, they want to eat oranges of you and they get prickly pears. <laughs> no. He says we need to discipline our tongues. It's like a spring, but it's got to bring forth. You see, the most important thing about a tree is its root system. It's his root system. We planted again yesterday, I, I'm raving on about this because I worked out and feel good about that, but we planted this thing and I replanted some plants out and we put it in, in, in on the one side and there was this one and I was really cramping up by now and I dig this thing out and I, it's a big plant, you know, it's a little shrub and I brought it over and I just put it down on top of, on top, didn't put it in and, and Toki saw that and immediately, you know, here we go back to the 20,000 words versus 70,000 words. Immediately she says, you better put it in the ground. I say, oh, no, I only use out of my 7,000 words too. See, I had to take a whole sentence to tell me that, okay? So I, really, I said, I know. <laughs> so we worked on and on and on and on, and I thought I better go and do those two th words that I've used, and I went over there and I put it in. But here's the thing, the, the roots had to go into the ground. It's the most important part. What if I've left them? Don't worry, last night, roughly by 9 o'clock, she asked me about that. <laughs> now again, did you, count the words, did you put the roots into the ground? I said, yes, one word. <laughs> but it's the most important part. It's got to go in. And, and here's the thing, what comes out of the ground will cultivate the plant to give the fruit. We are grounded in Christ Jesus. And if Christ Jesus wants you to be an orange, guess what fruit you're going to bring forth? Oranges. Yes? He gives us three examples here. 
Proverbs 18 verse 40 says, The word of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. It's a flowing brook. Oh, I've spoken to people over my life. Every time they may open up their, their mouths around the Word of God, I'm sitting there and I'm just drinking it in. I'm drinking it in. I, I remember one man, you know, Pete Compton. He was a missionary for 38 years. The Lord sent him our way the last five years of his life. Every single time Brother Pete opened up the Word of God, I was sitting there. And you know what it's like? It was like a well of wisdom. And I sat there and I said, Lord, I just want to drink and drink and drink of it. Is that how people feel about you? Is it? It doesn't have to be a pastor friend. It's your friends. How do you speak to people around you? Proverbs 10 verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Can you see how important is the tongue? First of all, it gives direction. A bit and a rudder. Then it can destroy like a fire and a poisonous animal. And remember this friends. It is like a fountain or it is like a fig tree or a tree. Now he, he says to us here we need to make sure we bring forth the right fruit. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 21. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for the lack of wisdom. The lips of the righteous feed many. How many people are fed by your words? And I want to end with this. You know, I want to give you some words now at the end of this sermon that will change your life. It will change your life. Please and thank you. If you use those words often in your life, it will change you. I love it to say to people, will you please do this for me? Add the word please in there. Can I please? Will you please? If you ask these things, it's not a right. You've got no right over another person. Absolutely. The only one who's got rights over you is God. And whatever you ask, just use the word please and thank you. I think that's politeness. We are raising a generation of young people who don't know these things. But you know what? It's easy for us to stand on this side and say, look at that generation. They are so disrespectful. But my question is, how many times do they use, hear you use those words? Remember what I said. Whatever you say, people listen. They listen. Doesn't matter how many times you repeat that. Thank you. And what about this one? I'm sorry, please forgive me. This little phrase there will stop so many fights in marriages, in relationships. So many. And it will change you. Why? Because you have to be humble to say those words. I am sorry. Friends, so many problems in this world will be solved if people only use those words. I am sorry. Please forgive me. What about I love you? When's the last time you told somebody, honestly, I love you? Yes, we say to our wives, and, and this, you know, the Bible is clear about these laughs. We've got a laugh, a brotherly laugh, that's what the Greeks say, it's filial laugh. We've got agape laugh, which is godly laugh. I love my wife, and I say it often to her, I say, I love you. She needs to hear that, and I want to hear that. 
I say to my children, I love you. And I can say to you as brothers and sisters, I love you. The Lord has sent us to come into each other. You know, we learn from each other. You know, here I am, South African born, Kiwi, standing here, and now I've met people from all over this world. But you are Christ's son and daughter. And because you're Christ's son and daughter, I love you with the love of God. But we need to say it more than I hate you. Listen to people this week when they speak, what comes out of their mouths. What words are they using more? I hear so many people, and, and it comes out like this, Oh, I hate the weather today. What is the brook? What is the fountain? That is salt water. I hate that dog. We drive down, I hate that car. This is what is, the, the Bible says what the heart is full will come out of your lips. That's what you will say. Oh, I don't like that person. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I, I'm not saying you should be a hypocrite. If you don't like it, keep, listen, it's not me saying it. Put a, put a door there or put a guard in. Don't say it. But please, watch out what people say. And one of the things is I love you. And what about this one? I'm praying for you. And then go on and do it. Not just saying it. Go on and do it. I'm praying for you. Do you know how nice it is when somebody comes up to me and says, you know what, John, I'm praying for you. We've prayed for you this week. Do you know what it means to me? This is what it means to me. It means that you took the time to go on your knees or sit or and to remember me in your prayers to God and you spoke to him about me. You know how much I appreciate that? I love it. And then finally, and there's so many more, but what about these words, I appreciate you? If you can't say I love you, just say I appreciate you. I often do this. I work in a company, I often do this. With young people in there, and I often, often, when I, when I do something, I appreciate you. I text it to them sometimes. They do some work and I go, thank you, that was a great job, I appreciate you. You know what it does? It's like a little fire, a flame, that pulls the moths in. I don't have to go and read the book, How to Influence and Make Friends. I've got the book. It's here. I've listened to James this morning. If you want to make friends, if you're one of those people, oh, I don't want to get friends, no, 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 they don't like me. Come to James, listen to him, and make friends. Thank you and please. James is straightforward, isn't he? It's not James, it's the Holy Spirit, it's God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Oh Lord, I repent, Lord. We need to discipline our tongues, Lord. And Father, all I can say this morning as I say I repent, Lord, is help us. Help us, Father, gives us the strength, Father, to hold our tongues, to put a guard in front of our tongues, a door. But, Father, that when we open up our mouths and we have to direct people, let we direct them according to your will. Father, and help us not to use this little tongue of ours to cause a fire or to spread poison Help us this morning, Lord, to be a fresh, clear, crystal clear 
water coming out of a fountain. Help us to be a fountain of life. Father, I also pray and ask you to help us to be a tree that bears the fruit of righteousness, your righteousness.